0: Welcome to the Daily Quarantine. I'm Donnie Schultz, and I'm recording from the oppressive comfort of my apartment here in Park Slope, Brooklyn. I'm so excited to share our first episode with you, and today I thought I would share with you some of my own experience so that you have a chance to get to know me better. Three weeks ago, I left for Germany to visit my old host family in Hanover, and the journey back home was nothing short of an emotional gauntlet. I did make it back, and I learned so much along the way. Today, we'll cover yesterday's news highlights, we'll speak with another New Yorker who returned from abroad during the shutdown, and later in the episode, I'll tell you more of my own story. Every day when I look at the news, I try to remind myself that all of this is just information. Numbers can seem very scary, especially when they're very big, but there are many different ways to interpret every number that we're given. A lot of your friends may be telling you to not pay attention to the news, stop looking at the headlines, and stop watching the videos. It can be healthy to take a step back every once in a while, but we still need to stay informed. Yesterday, the number of new cases in the U.S. skyrocketed. But most of this is because of testing. The Governor of New York State, Andrew Cuomo, announced yesterday that New York is now testing more people per capita than South Korea, which is the country that was previously leading the testing around the world. As a result of all of this testing, yesterday new cases in New York shot up by 6,011 cases. That brings the total to 38,977 cases in New York alone. In the US, there were 17,224 new cases yesterday, bringing our total to 85,749, officially more cases than China has ever had. This isn't necessarily significant. Again, we just began aggressively testing for this disease here in the United States. Also, China has a history of concealing data, and we don't know how heavily they've been testing throughout this pandemic. That can make our numbers seem pretty scary, but at the end of the day, it might not be as bad as it looks. All it means is that we're discovering more and more people that have this infection, and no matter how you split it, that's a good thing. I think it's fair to say that the president has botched his response to this pandemic, but it's really encouraging to see that the governor of New York state, Andrew Cuomo, has really stepped up as an unlikely, but very welcome leader for the country right now. For me and for many of my colleagues, his his briefings have become a beacon of sanity in the chaos of this situation. They're truly inspiring. He really takes time to give us an encouraging message and give us some statistics that aren't scary at all and in fact show us that many people are stepping up to go above and beyond the call of duty and really helping us get to get through this together as a society. Yesterday in his briefing, he shared that 40,000 retired medical professionals had already volunteered to help with the crisis. These are 40,000 people that have been in retirement that don't need to come back into the medical profession that have stepped up to offer their time pro bono so that people who really need help can get it. And yesterday alone, I'm sorry, the day before yesterday alone, 12,000 more stepped up. Perhaps the most meaningful bit of yesterday's briefing from Andrew Cuomo was this bit that I would like to share with you. He said, you have a whole new generation who have never lived through anything like this. They never went to war. They were never drafted. They never went through a national crisis, and this is going to shape them. And I can tell you just from having my daughters with me, yeah, they're hurt, they're scared, but they're also learning through this. And at the end of the day, they're going to be better people for it, and they're going to be better citizens for it. Today's guest, our very first guest on the Daily Quarantine podcast, is a super special person named Christina Ona. She lives here in New York, in Williamsburg, and she's currently working as a localization operations manager. I wanted to bring Christina on the show today because we both recently traveled abroad and we both were faced with the challenge of coming home as countries were scrambling to close their borders. I wanted to talk to her about her experience handling that how it impacted her emotionally, and how she's coping ever since she returned to the States. Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: I really want to thank you for being here. I asked you to join me because I know that we have something in common. We both tried to travel internationally just before this all hit, and we're kind of caught uh, unawares. And uh, so I just want to ask you, can you share with us where, where did you go? What were you up to? And, and tell us a little bit about your trip.
1: Sure. So um, I, went, or I went to the Philippines to visit my grandma for her birthday. I usually go around the same time every year. So I you know, book my tickets like usual, not really thinking anything about what was going on. Um, and then maybe a week before I was scheduled to be leaving for my trip, That was sort of when um, the coronavirus pandemic kind of started getting crazy. Um, Like China had already been shut down for maybe a month, but um, there were a lot of cases coming up in South Korea. And I actually had a flight with Korean airlines to fly to the Philippines with a layover in Seoul. So I was a little bit worried that maybe the Philippine government would have, um, you know, like a ban on people traveling from Korea or um, the US could potentially have a ban on people traveling through Korea. So I was a little worried. So to be safe, I canceled that flight and I decided to fly with Philippine Airlines instead. And then from there, the rest of the trip was like pretty normal. Um, I visited my grandma, celebrated her birthday with her. And then my mom and I um, traveled to a couple other islands within the Philippines. And I didn't really notice anything. Um, Too crazy until maybe like halfway through my trip when um, people started, you know, like really doing, not testing, but scanning is not the right word, I guess, like checking for people who could possibly have symptoms or traveled um through any of those countries that had a lot of cases at the time so
0: like running screenings you mean
1: yes exactly (laughs) i was like what is that word um yeah (laughs) like every time i would walk into a hotel or a mall or any sort of like public area they usually like um scan you for like like you go through a metal detector and they Mm -hmm. you know if you have any weapons but this time they had the added check of um actually checking your temperature So I kind of started to get a little anxious, like maybe I should be worried. But um, for the most part, my trip was super fun. Um, Just a little bit stressful because of all that stuff. Um, Things didn't. Yeah, like just imagine every time you walk into your hotel, they have to check your temperature. I was you know, Oh my
0: gosh, I know. <laughs> I mean, that was wow. So that was like that's a lot. And like yeah. you can hear it in your tone. Um, when I talk about my experience, it definitely comes across with a sense of urgency. Like you can hear that this mm-hmm. was a really stressful experience. Like, how did this affect your your mind state? Like what what were your concerns? What was going through your head when when things started shutting down and, and you started noticing that things were getting really serious?
1: I mean, I was feeling super anxious, like every time I walked into my hotel, I would get a little nervous. Um, There was one time where actually when they checked my temperature, it was a little bit high, Um, but I wasn't sick or anything. So after that, I was super nervous, like every single time after that, I was like, oh, no, is my temperature going to be too high? Are they not going to let me in? Um, But everything went fine. Um, I didn't really notice that it was super, super serious until I got back to Manila and um, the Philippine president gave like a press release and said that um, Manila was going to shut down in 48 hours. So that was when I realized that, oh, maybe this is a lot more serious than I had initially thought. Um, What that meant was basically there would be no um, land, air or sea travel in and out of Manila. Um, Fortunately, my scheduled flight was departing before the lockdown would officially begin. So I wasn't too nervous about that. But of course, I had all my relatives and cousins and my mom um, kind of worrying me, telling me maybe I should like change my flight to leave earlier. Um, And my mom also was in the Philippines and she was expected to leave after the lockdown. So, you know, there was a lot of scrambling to change flights. I ended up keeping my same flight and it was totally fine. But Um, there was a lot of anxiety kind of leading up to that because I didn't know if I would get booted off my flight or if, you know, they would just change the date of the lockdown to an earlier time. Um, luckily though. Oh my gosh, I know. Yeah. It was really crazy. Like everyone's trying to figure out if they should leave Metro Manila or if they should just stay there. It was, yeah, just really a lot of craziness for a few days.
0: Wow, I mean, yeah, that I, I can only imagine I mean I can imagine, um, <laughs> which leads me to my next question is I know that you were there visiting family. What would you have done if you would have missed the boat, so to speak?
1: <laughs> um, I probably would have asked one of my cousins or something if I could stay with them indefinitely. Um, they're all kind of stuck in their own apartments and stuff too, very similar to how we are in um, New York right now. They just have an added curfew. So um, at least I knew that I had family that I could kind of rely on and like have as a support system. So I wouldn't have to drop like a hundred dollars a night on a hotel or anything like that. So that was definitely some stress that was like off my back. Um, I kind of, you know, thought about a backup plan in case I did end up getting stuck there.
0: Definitely. Um, Well, I'm very glad that you made it home. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing you again at some point, um, but it might be quite a while before we get around to that.
1: Oh, I know. Um, it's been like a month, has me- it?
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a while and I'm definitely looking forward to it, but we all have to do our part. Um, for all our listeners there at home, this is a good time for me to plug my stay at home, please. Um, I know that the weather is super nice and I know that we all want to get out of our apartments, but right now it, the most important thing that we can do is just stay home. We are not worried about ourselves getting sick. We're worried about others getting sick and we all just need to get through this. And the more we stay home, the sooner, we'll all be out of this. So, Christina, it's lovely to have you at home. Please tell us what went through your head when you finally made it back.
1: Oh, my gosh, a huge, like, sense of relief, honestly. Um, You know, like, it was great being on vacation. But, you know, the thought of being stuck in another country during all of this was a little bit scary, because I don't really know much about, you know, like, how strict are they? What is their government like? What kind of support would I have while I'm there? So I was definitely very relieved to be back. Um, You know, at least if I have to shelter in place, I can at least do that from the comfort of my own home. Um, So that, I mean, I just felt so much relief when I landed. It was a little insane that I was that relieved.
0: (laughs) Oh, I know. I I made the joke that I'd never been happier to see a customs officer in my life.
1: (laughs) So true. So true.
0: (laughs) So now that you're back home and you've had a little bit of time to process things, I know that for me, seeing another country handle the situation differently or handle handle this in its own way, definitely gave me a new perspective on how the U.S. government reacted to this pandemic. Did you have a similar experience and what kind of can you offer some, pers- some of your perspective on um, having been in another country? You, you touched briefly on like the way that they were handling things with health screenings, going into public facilities and so on. Um, But what if you can just give us some of your perspective on the differences between how the U.S. has handled this versus how the Philippines did?
1: Sure. So I think in general, like the Philippine government is like much more strict and conservative in general, um, which at times isn't really the greatest, at least in my opinion. But um, with all of the things that like with this pandemic, really, I thought that they handled it really well. Um, You know, Metro Manila is just like a major hub for the rest of the Philippines. And so shedding um, domestic travel in and out of Metro Manila, I thought was really smart. So that way, um, you know, like the, um, the virus wouldn't spread into the like you know, the outer islands that maybe have less infrastructure and less um, like healthcare coverage and all of that stuff. But, um, So I was actually really impressed with how quickly they, you know, shut things down. Whereas here in the U.S., you know, I think I had been back for at least a week before any sort of um, advice was given to us from, you know, like our government. Um, And, you know, the federal government hasn't really like been so strict about what they're asking us to do. Um, So in a way, I'm really glad that the like local government has, you know, given us these recommendations, because I think that, um, you know, the sooner that we all sort of shelter in place, the faster we'll be able to get out of it.
0: I couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I think it's definitely interesting to see how the world is reacting to this. The most important thing that we can remember is that we're all just people, including our governments, and humans generally react to these things the same way. So it might be really easy for us to point fingers and shift blame, but at the end of the day, a virus is a virus and it doesn't discriminate. Um, I do like to hear from all of our guests uh, because this show is about staying positive and and getting through this together while keeping a level head about all of this. Um, How are you coping with isolation, Christina? What are your strategies for staying active, staying sane, and staying connected to the people around you?
1: Yeah, so it's been, I would say, kind of tough on me just because I live alone. And so I'm really like super isolated here at my apartment But, um, you know, I've kind of started making a schedule for like what I want to get done around my apartment. Um, I'm a pretty big procrastinator. So, you know, I finally have all the free time to check off different chores on my list that I've been putting off for so long. Um, And the other great thing is that, um, you know, I've moved out here to the West Coast from California. So I have a lot of friends out there. you know over time you kind of not necessarily lose touch but you guys just don't talk so this has been a really Mm -hmm. great opportunity to kind of reach out to a lot of my friends and like set up like video calls with them and i'm finding out about all these really cool apps that like we can use to like play games together or to video chat or to put some fun filters and all that so you know i'm trying to do what i can to stay connected to my loved ones around me i'm sure like one thing that um my mom at least is super grateful for is that I call her pretty much every day now Um, because before it used to be like maybe once a week we would talk and now I really do talk to her every day Um, so yeah I think like in a way this pandemic has kind of brought me closer to my loved ones and made me realize that like hey I know I live you know several hours away from them but that doesn't mean that I don't need to stay connected and like reach out and just see how they're doing.
0: Christina's not the only one who's connecting with old friends from far away. Almost everyone I know has told me about family, friends, and classmates crawling out of the woodwork in a wave of social connection. I've experienced the same thing myself, and I'm grateful for the reminder that there are so many people in this world that care about us, and we sometimes forget that they're there. It's crazy to think that just a week ago, I didn't feel any of this social connection. Just a week ago, I felt more alone than I felt in a very long time. A couple of months ago, I planned my trip to Germany because my host sister was having her second child. I was there for the birth of her first child 10 years ago, and I thought it was appropriate that I should go back. This was before I had heard anything about the coronavirus and its, start- and its beginnings in China. I planned my trip, and, as part as a special treat to myself during the third week of my trip, I had planned to go to Italy, in fact, to go to northern Italy to Venice. As my trip date approached and the coronavirus epidemic hit China pretty hard and started to make the news here in the United States, I started to think a little bit more about my travel plans, but I ultimately decided to still go to Germany. I canceled my plans to go to Italy and instead replaced that with a few days that I was going to spend in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. I took the time, looked at the data, watched the trends, and made an informed decision about my trip. I wouldn't find out until a couple weeks later that every assumption I had made was wrong. It was my second day in Germany, and I was sitting in my host sister's living room, chatting with her and talking about the news, when she got an email from her son's school saying that all of the children were to be sent home that day, and that they weren't to return until Monday, and this was a Thursday for reference. Two hours later, it was that all children from these six schools are being sent home and they're being asked to return to school on Tuesday. Two hours after that, it was that all of the schools in the, in the province in Germany where I was staying were to be closed indefinitely. And just a few hours after that, it was all schools in Germany were to be closed indefinitely. We are talking about elementary schools and middle schools, things that have no impact on my life. But watching this situation escalate so quickly over only one single day was shocking, and it scared me. And I started having thoughts about whether or not I was going to be able to go home. After carefully considering the advice of my friends and family in the States, my friends and family in Germany, and my husband, I made the decision to stay in Germany for the time being and wait it out. We thought that it wasn't going to be very wise if I tried to return to the States right away because there was an influx of passengers, and I'm definitely happy that I didn't try to do that. But as I waited, and I waited, and things grew more and more uncertain as the situation got worse and worse, I started to have feelings that I haven't had in a couple of years. Living out of suitcases, sleeping on my friend's couches, And having a feeling like I didn't have a home or I didn't know when I could return home started to invoke the same feelings that I had when my housing situation was rather unstable. And that was a pretty dark period of my life. Now, living out of suitcases and sleeping on couches is something that I had previously associated with adventure and a good time and with a sense of freedom. But ever since I had the experience of not having a place to live, those feelings And those activities have been tied to a sense of fear and a sense of uncertainty. And in all of that uncertain mental state and all of that insecurity, I had to deal with this growing global panic. The first thing that all of people in all of the world have experienced all at the same time. And it was horrifying. And I didn't know what to do with myself. And I kept listening to others and listening to the panic and listening to the news and growing more and more uncertain until finally I made the decision to go ahead and come home. I had gone to Berlin. I had spent three days there. And I ended up making a phone call to the Newark airport. My concern was that Uh, ever since the federal government had restricted travel by American passengers into only 13 airports in the U.S., that the chaos was still ensuing. So I called the airport help desk to ask how how the lines were at customs, if they were having an influx of passengers or, or anything like that. And a very motherly a woman, employee of the, of the airport spoke to me on the phone and said, uh, honey, now's the time to come home. The airports are empty, but we're not sure that they're going to stay open. And she could definitely sense that I was really shaken up and, and that I was feeling very uncertain of the situation. Uh, and she, she talked me down and that was just my first experience of, of really reaching out to a perfect stranger in a time of need and, and being welcomed with kindness and with an open heart. And that was very encouraging. Um, when I came back to the States, it was an empty plane and empty airports. And I have never been happier to see a customs agent in my life as I, as I mentioned. And, and I was also, as Christina said, filled with just uh, such a sense of relief. And ever since I've been back, I mean, it just, it's become a new normal. And I've definitely valued the experience that I had being in Germany and coming back to the States and being privileged to see two sides of the coin and see two nations react so differently to the same crisis. Listening to national leaders talk about other national leaders throughout this entire experience has been very frustrating. Everybody wants to point a finger. Trump is calling this a Chinese virus, a foreign virus. The Chinese government is saying the American army brought it to them. Having seen the way that Europe reacted to this situation, having studied the way that East Asia reacted to the situation, and now getting to experience the rather atrocious reaction of the U.S. government to the situation, only one thing has become clear to me. We are just people. And people are particularly ill-suited to deal with threats that are not other people. Every government is doing the best that it can. Every government is reacting differently, but every government is reacting with approximately the same amount of concern and resources and the populace is reacting with approximately the same amount of concern and diligence when it comes to practices like social distancing and flattening the curve. Some nations may be more equipped in their legal measures to enforce such restrictions than others, but I honestly believe that This is something that we are going through, as an entire planet, all at the same time. There is no governmental distinction. A virus does not discriminate. We are all in this together as human beings. We are getting a cold water reminder that we are all on this planet together. And that it's not just us and them. That it's not just America first that there are things that can threaten the entire stability of the world that we live on and that none of our nations and borders and governments and political leaders matter if we don't have a rock that can support us and take care of us. We will get through this. There will be a future ahead. It will be difficult, but we're going to do it together. As I like to say, we can only take this one day at a time, and that's exactly what I intend to do. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. This is the Daily Quarantine Podcast. I'm Donnie Schultz, and I will see you tomorrow.